0: From 2-10 to the Western Conference Finals, J.C., the Lakers are officially in the final round before the NBA Finals. Say it with me. It's hard to believe, but it's beautiful to see. Welcome in. Welcome back to the Ethos Lakers podcast, J.C. The Lakers, 2-10. and ten. I know it's a different team. I know it's a different cast of characters. I know we even had a different starting lineup, one that you've been clamoring for to take Jared Vanderbilt out for Game 6. But all we're here to say is the Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals, baby. Can you believe it?
1: I, I mean, yeah, to, to come back from the, the start of the season the way they did, it's, yeah, I mean, I, we, I, like, what were we hoping for at one point in the season? It was like maybe a first round win, just kind of a decent playoff run. But, I mean, it does. Lakers are here, and it seems like seems like it could happen.
0: I mean, at this point, anything anything short of an NBA Finals berth is a disappointment. That's how much the trajectory of this season has changed. And I think a lot of Lakers fans are getting real excited, swept into the moment, already looking ahead toward those NBA Finals. But Denver is a very real opponent. We will get all into that soon. But before we do, J.C., I'm going to answer the question that Draymond Green gave a different answer to. The Warriors dynasty is over, J.C. The three guys might be back, but this dynasty is over. Klay Thompson is, is cooked. He looks he looks like a different version of himself. Draymond Green is, is still okay, but he's not the version of Draymond that won all four of those championships. Steph Curry got next to no help and looked very ordinary for the remainder of the series. And can I remind everybody that it's the coming season? Yes, not the one that just elapsed for the Warriors, but the coming season in which Jordan Poole's four-year, $120 million extension kicks in. you got to think they're going to look to trade that as soon as they can. J.C., I heard a stat on last night's broadcast that I just have to repeat today because it took about almost 12 hours for me to fully digest this game. LeBron James, we hear a lot about thirty eight years old. We hear a lot about twentieth season in the NBA. JC LeBron James is the third oldest player in the league. The third oldest player in the NBA did that last night and looked like one of the very best still in the NBA.
1: Yeah, when I first heard that, I was like, yeah, I was taking it back too, because my my first thoughts were like, well, there's like U d. And then beyond that, I couldn't even think of who was second, like maybe a Gudala. Who doesn't really play and then there's LeBron who obviously plays a lot
0: (laughs) it's a it's not only just his peak of greatness is is what really separates him from those who have come before him let alone all the accolades let alone the all-time scoring title let alone all these things he's accomplished but the peak of his greatness has been more than 75 percent of his NBA career in year 20 it's just unheard of and we've never seen it before It's absurd for all of the most gorgeous reasons in the world if you're a Lakers fan. And as much as we're all very excited about these Lakers and where they are right now, J.C., they certainly got some help along the way, in part a credit to their defense, but in part just sort of the Warriors, I don't know if they ran out of gas. I don't know if their offense was broken. First time Steve Kerr has lost a playoff series as Warriors head coach outside of the NBA Finals. Another very impressive stat. Another legacy piece for LeBron to add into his still growing resume. But in this western in this Western Conference semis JC, Clay Thompson was thirty four of ninety nine from the field. He had more points in game two than he had in games four through six combined. Steph Curry was a very ordinary twenty three of sixty seven from the three point line, including ten of thirty nine in games four, five, and six in this series. Jordan Poole popped off in the first game and then was MIA like Nick Saban afterward. 20 of 58 from the field, including 7 of 28 from 3 at one point. I think he finished the series with more fouls than he did. Field field goals made. J.C. Jordan Poole looked like a shell of himself. The Lakers' defense was certainly in part to credit, but there were a lot of shots the Warriors simply took and missed, and the Lakers took advantage. I, I don't know what to say other than, I, I got to tell you, if you told me even two months ago, right, because two months ago, we're past the trade deadline. We got this roster right now. If you told me two months ago, the Lakers and Warriors are going to meet in the second round, the series is going to go six games, I, I would have hesitated to pick these Lakers. But boy, would I have been wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I before the season started, I just kind of thought about posting a tweet. I was like, regardless of how this series goes, I think the Lakers turned it around and their focus in the offseason has to be keeping as much of this roster together. Because, I mean, even D'Angelo Russell said, like, you give us a training camp and this thing will be really impressive. And so, yeah, I thought the Warriors were going to be really tough. And so if if the Lakers were going to lose, yeah, give them another shot to to try to run, run this thing for a full season.
0: Did it feel like to you, JC, because the first half, I mean, the first quarter of this game, it felt like the Lakers – it felt like it was going to be 35-9, to if you remember that start against Memphis, right? And I felt like the Lakers were just going to run away from this with the, from the onset. The Lakers were up 17 in the first quarter. Steve Kirk called the timeout. And then all of a sudden at the end of the first quarter, it was a five-point game. And we said, oh, this is a little too – it's a little too tight for me. In fact, one of my good buddies, Nick, I promised I would share I would promise I would share this on the podcast. So here we go. It was a little too much of a, a butt clenching moment for me, a little too sphincter tightening, right? Because we're saying, oh, it's a three, it's a two, it's a three-point play. And all of a sudden the Warriors are ahead. It's a little too tight. Most of that second quarter was pretty much back and forth. It was a little ugly to start. Then both teams started to get into a little bit of a groove. JC was a seven point game until Austin Reeves screaming I'm him, both in his heart and aloud to anyone who would listen. But it was when Austin Reeves hit that phenomenal 50-foot floater, might I add, to send the Lakers up 10 to halftime. It really it really felt like that took all of the wind out of the Warriors' sails. And, like, they just kind of gave up after that.
1: Yeah, because, like, so many times that Steph Curry has done throughout his career, like, that felt like – like, it was one of the first times. Like, how many times have you, you watching a Warriors game – against the team you're rooting for, and Steph does that. He hits a buzzer-beating buzzer beating halftime three from, like, half-court, and it's just completely deflating. And this is the first time you were on the other side of that and being like, oh, that's what that feels like. Yeah, this, we're not losing this game.
0: Yeah, it really felt like the Lakers were going to be here to stay after that. Third quarter was great. Fourth quarter, even better. LeBron and AD ran themselves into the ground to win this game for the Lakers. And LeBron came out on a very specific mission in game six. He got right into the paint right away. You and I, last time we talked, JC, we talked a lot about how the Lakers sometimes, one of those teams that plays up or down to their level of competition, allows the opposition to actually dictate what kind of game it's going to be. And I did not feel that way last night. I did not feel that way against the Warriors in game six in fact I felt the complete opposite of that I felt like the Lakers came out and dictated what kind of game they wanted to play they said we're gonna attack the paint we're gonna play to our strengths and you're gonna have to do something about it and lo and behold that turned out to be a successful strategy for these Lakers LeBron was just nothing short of phenomenal 10 of 14 from the field 43 minutes for the king 30 points, 9 boards, 9 assists, a rebound and an assist shy of a triple-double. But really, I mean, uh, uh, the one shot that sort of epitomized his night was when he got hit in the head. He was down on the court on the other end for a good 5-10 seconds. Then all of a sudden, they're playing 4-on-5. Here comes LeBron screaming into the frame, gets the pass top of the key. Bang, right from 3. LeBron, who could not hit a 3 in the first round versus Memphis. Not to say he was lighting it up in the last few games, but, you know, Him hitting seven threes out of 19 attempts. Again, it's nothing to write home about, but it's a lot better than what we saw, and it opens up a lot for him. Dude was absolutely phenomenal in these series. Games four, five, and six, LeBron playing 43, 39, and 43 minutes, respectively. You really can't ask for much more from him. And that's in compliment, in concert with Anthony Davis. Remember the big narrative with Anthony Davis was one game on, one game off, right? When the Lakers lost the game two, they got smoked. It was the Anthony Davis took the night off game. Since then, JC in this series, 25 and 13, 23 and 15, 23 and 9, 17 and 20 in the clincher. Yeah, AD only took nine shots, but he was at the free throw line 10 times in this game. Zero turnovers in the clinching win as well. To hear LeBron and AD not just give credit to the supporting cast, but to talk about how hungry they are for another championship, unfinished business. I love seeing that in the postgame last night. These guys can sense how hard they have worked and now how close they are to this. And to take down the Warriors, not just because they're the Warriors and the success that they've had over the last several years. We're talking about the defending NBA champions. I don't care who you are. That's giving you a confidence boost no matter what's ahead.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, not just LeBron and AD. I mean, there's a lot of narratives to correct if they can pull this off. The There's people who discount the championship in the bubble, which incidentally, not that you ever want to root for Boston as a Lakers fan, but if Boston does win tomorrow, then the final four teams this season are the same final four teams that were in the bubble that year. And so, How about that?
0: And by the way, the bubble, the bubble was the first year where all of a sudden the Suns, who shouldn't even been invited, Finished on that eight 0 stretch, and everyone said, "Oh, the Suns might be onto something." Do you remember that as well? Yeah. hmm So maybe just maybe that COVID, although it screwed up everything for all of us, and even though we were we had what was called the 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 Mickey Mouse bubble for so many, maybe just maybe that was evidence for what's ahead. I can't speak enough to the credit specifically of the Lakers coaching staff, Darvin Ham, and the the adjustments that he was willing to make, inserting Lonnie Walker back into the rotation. Actually moving away from Jared Vanderbilt in the starting lineup, which is I know something you've talked a lot about Dennis Schroeder, although I feel like if you give Darvin Ham more than through two guys who are six, three or under, he'll try to play all of them at once to put Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup. I mean, he was he was an irritant. And yes, he was ejected in his game six. And yes, the game six ejection was trash. But yes, he should have never put himself in that position. The the, the level in which he got under Draymond green skin, Draymond will never admit it, but boy, it was evident and it was obvious for the majority of this series, don't you think?
1: Yeah. And today I found a tweet that kind of gave credit to Darvin Ham for that move. Like, taking Jared Jared Vanderbilt out was kind of what I'd wanted, but I thought Rui would have more of an impact than Jared Vanderbilt. But what Dennis Schroeder did was he basically made it so that Steph Curry couldn't hide on defense. What I guess people didn't realize or didn't notice was that Steph Curry was maybe guarding Jared Vanderbilt on on defense, and he was kind of being hidden that way. And what was different this game is, yeah, now anytime anybody was isolated on Steph Curry, they were just attacking him. Darvin Hamm putting Austin Reeves on Clay
0: Thompson I think really helped Reeves at both ends of the floor, to be honest with you. And I think his health is also getting a lot better. You know, he said he's feeling better. The first three games of this series, J.C., Austin Reeves made a combined nine shots in the first three games. He was nine of 28 from the field. In the next three games in this series, J.C., Austin Reeves made 19 shots, and, and that was out of 39 total attempts. So he's basically shooting 50% from the field. Last three games, that includes 10 of 17 from the three-point line from Mr. Austin Reeves, 23 points in the clincher, 15 points in game five, 21 in game four. Can't speak enough to what he has brought to this table. Then in compliment with D'Angelo Russell. Then in compliment with Lonnie Walker. All the parts seem to be coming together. D'Angelo Russell is such a hard guy for me to gauge. He uh, he scored in double figures five of these six games. He's coming off of a game-winning, of a game winning, or sorry, C- series-winning game in which he played 41 minutes. He scored 19 points. But he did absolutely jack shit else, right? He has more rebounds than assists. Thankfully, barely turned the ball over, but I just can't – how impactful is D'Angelo Russell besides being a threat from the three-point line? And I think that's where I get even more excited about this Lakers team is that he can really truly be the threat that he thinks he can be in his head. Then the Lakers can be even more than what they already are. But the depth of this team is no longer in question because clearly the Lakers can roll against just about anyone – Now they have a challenge in front of them in Denver. The wire to wire one seed, Nikola Jokic, who is just, I mean, the guy averages 100 plus touches a game and seems to make magic out of absolutely nothing. It is so impressive what the Nuggets have been able to do, not only with Jokic, but Jamal Murray playing very well. Michael Porter Jr. showing signs of consistency. Aaron Gordon actually being a great fit in Denver. And this is a team like the Warriors, JC, that has been together for a number of years now. This is going to be a tough game for, for or a tough series for these Lakers, no question about it. But before we move on to Denver, I have to ask your opinion. Going back to the Warriors here, the Lakers now push them out of the playoffs. It feels like the Warriors dynasty is done, and it feels like there are changes on the horizon. KC, I already said Jordan Poole's got to go. What else do you see happening for this team? Draymond Green, 20, 20 something million dollar player option. I believe it's 28 million dollars, expected to negotiate a new deal. But the Warriors need a lot more depth than what they showed. Dante DiVincenzo can't be your second best player as much as he was uh, an asset offensively in the game six loss. And you really, if you're not going to play Jonathan Kuminga, why is he even on your team? I think the Warriors got a lot of things to think about going into the offseason, especially if Bob Myers ain't going to be around to see it.
1: Yeah, it seemed like I mean the Warrior season obviously started on an ominous note with the the Draymond punching Jordan Poole, and even kind of before that you had you know these uh, sort of um, you know sub subtweeting comments from Klay Thompson and and Steph Curry about how big Jordan Poole's head has gotten and it seemed like from that moment the like the the warriors were going to have decisions to make this offseason whenever the offseason came and they would basically have to choose between Draymond and Jordan Poole and Jordan Poole had a really great season last season and then this year Jordan Poole wasn't as great but then he also had Draymond almost base almost costing the warriors a game in the first round because because of his antics off the court and things like that and so yeah, the Warriors are basically gonna have to choose between an old Draymond or a younger Jordan Poole. And it it seemed like before this Lakers series, like why wouldn't you choose the younger Jordan Poole? Like he'll he'll have a bounce back season, more than likely, and Draymond's not getting any younger, but I mean Jordan Poole was so bad this series, like I don't know how you bounce back from that. JC, he was unplayable. Straight straight up he was <laughs> unplayable in the series. Except for
0: game one, in which he was red hot from beyond the arc. He was unplayable. And this is a guy that they needed to play probably 30-plus minutes and good ones for them to have a legitimate chance against the Lakers.
1: And one of the things I was happy about in game one, because like going into the series, I was like, I think the Lakers, with the Warriors, I think it's a very choose-your-poison type team. And so I think the Lakers, if I'm them, I'm like, you know what, let's see if Jordan Poole can beat me. And sure enough, he had a good game one, and the Lakers came out victorious in that game one. So I was like, all right, just let him try to do that next game because he probably won't, and he didn't. Do you buy into the idea at all? Because obviously a growing
0: narrative of this series was the discrepancy at the foul line between the Lakers and the Warriors. Do you subscribe to the idea that that was slanted in the Lakers' favor at all? And before you answer, I would just like to say does anyone expect two teams to shoot equal free throws when one is attacking the paint and one is at the three-point line fifty times a game?
1: No, I mean I. That was one of the things I was, I was arguing about with people on Twitter. And I was like, "How are the Warriors supposed to shoot free throws? They don't drive to the basket." And right. yeah. Right.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, case in point, even on a night where you felt like the Warriors really couldn't buy a basket, right? Like, they didn't shoot well at all in Game 6. I don't care if it was at the rim or from 40 feet away. They did not shoot well at all. The Warriors jacked up 48 threes in this game, JC. They made 13. They took 103 shots. They didn't even make 40. I mean, nobody was hitting anything in this one for the Warriors. And honestly, when you go past the first two players who came off their bench in Poole and DiVincenzo, Looney, Moody, Kuminga, and then the scrub time uh, and that includes Kuminga, Patrick Baldwin Jr. and and Andrew Lamb. I mean, this is not this is not exact or a- Andrew Lamb, Anthony Lamb, Andrew Lamb. I think was an old MLB player. Brain's getting a little old there, Ethan. Good lord. Uh, point being, the Warriors are not exactly a source of fear, might I add. I mean, I think the swap with Gary Payton Jr. in the starting lineup, or Gary Payton II, excuse me, maybe he's got a different middle name than than the gloves, right, and and over Kevon Looney, it actually weirdly worked for them. It made them smaller, but somehow that made it better against the Lakers. JC, in game two, when they made that change and they ran so many pick and rolls to pull Anthony Davis out of the paint, it worked marvelously for them. And then they just kind of abandoned that strategy, and they said, hey, we're going to just keep chucking up threes, which really worked well for the Lakers. But Steve Kerr was, was honest. He was like, look, we just didn't make shots, and the Lakers played well. Sometimes that's how it goes. And in a make-or-miss league, you live by the three, you die by the three. In this series, JC, the Warriors died by it, and they died hard.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the free-throw discrepancy is not really going to go away this round either, because just looking at the league ranks of, of Denver, Denver ranks 24th in the league in attempts. And so you might see more of that in the series.
0: It's amazing. Thir- 13 of 48 from the three-point line from the Warriors in the game six loss to send them home for the season. And in game five, JC, they were 13 of 35. They made the same amount. They took less fewer of them, but I mean, this is not, this is a Warriors team works where, where as a team we're used to seeing 38, 40% from behind the three-point line. And we just didn't see that. And the Lakers deserve all the credit in the world for really protecting the perimeter. And I, again, there were shots in which the Warriors took and simply missed, but the level of defense and, and the the consistency and the sustainability of the effort was not something we had seen from the Lakers on a game-to-game basis for a while, let alone in these playoffs. I know they had a top-rated defense after the trade deadline, but it's just hard to play that balls-out level of energy every single night, and that's what we saw from these Lakers, and it really doesn't feel like they're satisfied with where they are. They've all got eyes and hearts on bigger things in front of them. And that's important because now they go on to play Denver and Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis, that is going to be a matchup that will define this series and then some to say the least. But JC, is that the most intriguing matchup of this series for you?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, that's going to be the one that most people kind of have their eye on because I mean, looking at it, who's, who's LeBron going to guard? I think he's going to continue to kind of be sort of that safety on defense, um, you want to look at who's going to guard Jamal Murray. And I mean, considering the the good job that Austin Reeves did on Klay Thompson, uh, D'Angelo Russell kind of did on Steph Curry, even Dennis Schroeder did on Steph Curry, I think if they're going to you know, have point guard by committee, I think that'll be an intriguing matchup, whoever guards Jamal Murray.
0: I agree. And on top of that, I wonder from Denver's side, who's going to guard LeBron? I don't think Aaron Gordon is that guy. Because I, I'm, but, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does have the athleticism to keep up with Braun at this point. Maybe he does have the wherewithal to come out to the perimeter. Uh, Aaron Gordon is a guy who I've always kind of soft-liked, for lack of a better term, right? For like some nights is like, why aren't you better? And then other nights you're like, yeah, this is the kind of player I could definitely have on my team, right? So Denver's got, and Denver has some really good complementary pieces. Old friend KCP has been a magnificent fit for Denver. Bruce Brown, I swear, he's just the next in line of the, the Will Bartons, the Gary Harris Juniors, all those kind of wings that have been there and have had success in the past, right? Now now you have Bruce Brown fitting in, sliding into that spot, and you have this, this opportunity for the for Lakers to really show the league that had they had this team for the entirety of the season, JC, that they might have been the ones in the one seed, which is really, again, just surreal to say. But all too real for this team that deserves a lot of credit—not just for sticking together and believing in one another, but also for continuing to trust first-year man Darvin Ham. What a credit it is to him because at two and ten, this team could have easily—and I mean easily—checked out on him. They did not. They tapped in. They stayed together. And this is the this this chemistry that this team has feels eerily reminiscent of what we saw in 2020.
1: Yeah, you felt it almost immediately when when the new guys came in. uh, The chemistry was there from the jump. Um, You know, everybody kind of came in with with an agenda. Uh, You know, D'Lo wanted to prove that he's more mature than he was when he was in the Lakers before. And Dennis Schroeder kind of had that disastrous first run with the Lakers when he came back. So he came back this year. Um, Yeah, everyone sort of, you know, has a point to prove. And, yeah, they all seem to like each other.
0: I mean, it's really – it's beautiful to see. And I and what I love more than anything about this team right now is just the joy in which they are playing the game with together. JC, I, I, I don't believe in moral victories. It's one of the hardest things I've ever dealt with, like as a little league coach or, or any kind of youth instructor, was participation trophies. Because like Giannis said, in sports, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's just how it goes. It doesn't mean it's a bad year. It doesn't mean it's necessarily a failure, right? Obviously, if you win and you win it all, it's a great year and it's successful. But just because you don't have the results that you want does not mean it's a failure. If we really want our kids, our friends, our people, our society as a whole to value process over results, then the results can't be the only thing that's emphasized. But JC, this process has led to magnificent results for these Lakers so far. And again, just to be sitting in this position where they're going to be one of the final four teams playing. It is just something that literally nobody expected to see happening. And I've only, I've put a picture recently back on my wall, JC, and I, and I only bring it up because it's Lakers related and it's Abbey road, right? It's, it's, it's a take on Abbey road and it's Julius Randall, D'Angelo, Russell, Jordan Clarkson, and Brandon Ingram all walking down Hollywood Boulevard together and Oddly enough, D'Angelo Russell is the one that's bouncing the ball, all of them having moved on. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell, the one that came back, D'Angelo Russell. So it's just it's sort of one of those things where it's like, ever since I put it back up, I've thought about that. I put it back up shortly after the trade deadline, and you know it's not going anywhere else, at least until this playoff run is over, whenever that may be. JC, although Denver does present a challenge, and I really don't want to overstate how much the Lakers are going to have to bring to the table, especially on the road, because Denver is just such a hard place to play both physically and mentally. It doesn't feel like they are going to be non-competitive in this series. I do expect this series to be a good one, to be a back and forth one. And it could be one that goes six or seven games
1: again. Yeah. The, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James already talked about how they've been looking at highlights of the 2020 bubble series because there's there's not a lot of data you can extrapolate from this regular season. So Denver hasn't seen the Lakers since January 9th of 2000, 2023 this season. So obviously that was before the trading deadline. Uh, fun fun uh, trivia here. I want to see if you know the answer to this question. So in the game, January 9th, uh, the Lakers lost one, 109 to 122. Can you tell me which Laker played 17 minutes in that game? Whew. What what was the date of that game? January ninth, two thousand
0: twenty three. January ninth, two thousand twenty three. There was a Laker who played seventeen minutes. Who was that Laker? Stole that... Brown. Oh God! Oh, I actually forgot he was even on the team. I time. looked at John? that.
1: I was like, who was this person? I don't remember. He played. He played four games as a Laker. Wow. The, the most in which he played as a Laker was that game in which he played seventeen minutes.
0: Wow! Wow! And if that ain't, if that ain't emblematic of how far this team has come, I don't know what is. That's a great nugget you found. No pun intended, of course.
1: Yeah, and and we talk about that two and ten start to the season. One of those two wins was against the N- Denver Nuggets. In that game, played playing twelve minutes off the bench, Matt Ryan. Remember, was that Matt?
0: The, was that the game in which he hit the miracle shot?
1: Oh, uh, it might be. Now that I think about it.
0: Oh man, because you know <laughs> because that that. That, that that was so poetic of how that early season went. I mean, you you when, when I, like, think about that. And when the Lakers waved Matt Ryan, everyone, and I mean everyone, was upset. How could you let go of this guy? This is the one thing this team needs is shooting, right? I'm like, guys, this guy is closer to Ryan Kelly than he is to Dirk Nowitzki. Everybody relax, okay? But the reality is, like, that's how fucked up this team was. I hate to say it like that. But that's how terribly this team was constructed, that a guy like that could have been of such critical import. And now a guy like that literally has no place on this team, JC. It is incredible. And I, I look, and I, again, just like after the trade deadline, Rob Polinka deserves credit. I'm not here to sit here and poo-poo Rob Polinka, his efforts, what he's done. All of these things. But at the same time, this was the guy who said Russell Westbrook was a good idea, right? This was the same guy. So let's just make sure. Like he said, when he makes a move, when anyone makes a move and it doesn't work, it's your job to fix it. I agree with that. And I'm glad he fixed it, as are all Lakers fans. It did not need to take the amount of time that he chose to take to fix it. But I'm certainly glad he did. And the solution that he found has obviously been a good one.
1: Yeah, and so yeah, other important notes. in, you know, Jokic and Jamal Jamal Murray played in all four of the games, I believe. Uh, Anthony Davis played in three of them. LeBron played played in three of them. Um, you know, Austin Reeves obviously didn't have the expanded role that he has now. And so, yeah, this there's it's hard to find any data to to really kind of predict this series. The Lakers are underdogs, probably as they should be, as far as you know Vegas standards and things like that. But um. Yeah, I don't think it's it's going to be as non-competitive as, as, you know, like you said.
0: Do you think, JC, that there is a group of Lakers fans that expects the Lakers to win game one on the road as they have in both of these series to date?
1: Uh, I mean, I think so. I, th- I think the Lakers are on such a hot streak. They're playing defense extremely well. Um, a lot of people don't believe in Jokic. I, I mean, I personally don't. I've said I don't really trust him in the playoffs, and he's obviously playing really well. And so I may have to end up eating those words. But I think if you if you have a player like Anthony Davis who can really key in on Nikola Jokic, then I think the Nuggets can be contained. Like Anthony Davis is not DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> Do you think, JC... Let me ask you this question.
0: What will be more important for the Lakers to win this series? What Anthony Davis does on offense or what he does on defense?
1: I think what he does on defense. I think, I think it's important for you know. I, it seems as though, and somebody even kind of asked LeBron this if he's sort of been pacing himself, and he says it. You know, it may look like it, but he hasn't. And, I mean, I think in a way he has. I, I think on defense, is, his effort has been you know extended. And so I think he's playing more defense than he does in the regular season, and that's kind of the way he's always been. Offensively, I don't think he's had to you know, output as much of the of the shouldering as, as he's had in years past. But I think if he has been kind of conserving himself on offense, then it's going to be for a series like this, because Anthony Davis probably should focus on defense and should focus on containing Jokic. And, I mean, like we said earlier, who's going to guard LeBron? You need strength to guard LeBron. And so the only one who really has it is Aaron Gordon. KCP's not very strong. Michael Porter's not very strong. Unless you're gonna go big and bring, you know, Thomas Bryan off the bench. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's really gonna stop LeBron if he decides to play downhill.
0: Do you think that the Lakers stick with this starting lineup? Or do you think that they go back to Jared Vanderbilt against a bigger Denver team?
1: I think they're going to want to see how to handle Jamal Murray because I think between the way Anthony Davis and LeBron were playing defense in this series kind of kind of like the zone they were playing I feel like the idea is to sort of semi double Jokic the entire game long and so if that's going to be the case then you need one-on-one somebody who's competent to guard Jamal Murray so I could see Continuing to guard to start Dennis Schroeder. But I mean, I might be wrong.
0: I could see that as well. I could see it going either way. And I could see Darvin Ham also being interested in creating further adjustments as the series progresses, dependent upon the results, of course. JC, should we do predictions? Do you think we're in that business now that we're in the Western Conference Finals? This is a Lakers podcast. So I feel like I know which direction we're both going to go, but let's just do it for shits and giggles anyway. JC, what's your prediction for the Western Conference Finals?
1: Uh, I mean, probably Lakers in six, I think. Six is such a weird number just because it's like losses are so devastating. But if they're going to win in six, they have to lose two games, obviously. And so, but yeah, uh, you'd like them to sweep, but they're probably not going to. So yeah, probably Lakers in four or in, in six.
0: I think your heart and your head are saying two different things, right? Forty and slip, we love that. <laughs> uh, I would say, I would say, I would double down. I'm gonna say Lakers and six because if the series goes seven, there's no way I want a game seven in Denver. Much like I didn't want a game seven in San Francisco. I'm also gonna say Lakers and six, but again, I just want to repeat: Denver is a very, 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 very good team. I don't know that they're a great team. I don't know what's sort of preventing me from putting them in that tier. I don't know that they're great, but I think they're a very, 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 very good team. I think there's a reason they're one of the the, the only ones left standing. Nikola Jokic, even though he is literally watching horses race in Italy right now and probably not working out in any sense of the word, right, <laughs> he, uh, the term, he is ready for what these Lakers are going to present. Uh, there's, there's a couple of X factors on Denver's side that has me slightly concerned most notably Michael Porter Jr. if he really balls out. But if they're able to contain MPJ, if the Lakers are able to keep Jamal Murray to his you know, regular level of production instead of being a supernova alongside Jokic, then you feel pretty good. This is the most confident I have felt in a Lakers team since the bubble, and it was a long time prior to that, prior to that team as well. So it's been a lot of fun to watch, and these games are going to start, a little earlier now that we're gonna play some in Denver and some in Los Angeles. So that's something to be mindful of. JC in the Western Conference Finals, four wins away from the NBA championship round and eight wins away from claiming another banner to hang at Staples. It is an incredible time to be a Lakers fan.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 thankful for the for the warrior series because it was such a tough test. The the Warriors were only a six seed because they were so terrible on the road in the regular season. Like they, Warriors are a good team, just as good as they were last year. Uh, so, I'm grateful for that very tough test that the Lakers got through it. Hopefully, it hardens hardens them. You know, steel hardens steel. That sort of thing. May
0: may we all progress past our toughest tests in order to rise
1: like cream and be better
0: than the rest. Right. We'll be with you guys soon. And until next time, be out.